Welcome to Off The Cut, a podcast where we talk about building, making, and answering all of your questions. I'm Eric from Spensley Design Co. And I'm Zach from Zach Builds. If you have a question that you would like us to answer on air, you can send it to offthecutpodcast at gmail.com. You can find both of us on YouTube, Instagram, and unfortunately, because we have to keep up with kids, you can find us on TikTok too. All right, now let's get into the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode... Two. Zero, zero, two. 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 Episode two yeah. of Off the Cut Podcast. Today is National Gumdrop Day. But Zach, I'm sure the Canadians know this better <laughs> as February 15th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have gumdrops up here. How dare you? <laughs> you know, the first thing that come that comes to mind when I when I when I see this the gumdrop thing mm-hmm. is you, you ever see that movie, was it Shrek? Yeah. Uh I I mean I know of Shrek. I'm not yeah. sure that I've actually watched one. There's I mean there are decent movies. Like it's one of those movies that you definitely watched as like a kid or like if you had to babysit somebody that come up, but there's there's this scene where this little gingerbread man is getting like abducted by somebody and he just goes, "Oh no, not the gumdrop buttons." <laughs> <laughs> it's priceless, man. And so, wait, 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 wait. In that scenario, what's the gumdrop button, though? It's like, it's literally like a like a gingerbread cookie. And so, oh, he has I like see. the little like button things like on his shirt, you know? Oh, and they, they pop they, off like, when pop he gets off grabbed? or something because he, he's getting abducted oh, okay. or something. I don't know. It's one of those weird like <laughs> Disney Pixar things where like some totally. shady stuff's going on, but everybody just yeah. plays it off like it's all good. Well, that's the great thing about those movies is they like they put in jokes that go over kids' oh, heads, yeah. but then like adults pick up on oh, them. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I've been having that conversation a lot with people talking about like old movies where you rewatch them as a kid, and it's like, oh yeah, like there's like, ooh, can't believe they put that in there. But it's like to four year old, a five year old, like they don't notice. Yeah, I mean, right. So and the parents have to be entertained too. Like exactly. I mean, I remember my parents. Oh man, I don't remember which one it was. But we were kind of talking about like the whole Disney movie thing about how some of them are like, you know, have some pretty raunchy jokes and stuff. And my parents were like, oh, yeah, there are some that we watched when you guys were younger that had some pretty wild jokes. And like, we couldn't believe that they were in there. Yeah. And apparently SpongeBob is also littered with sex jokes. I mean, SpongeBob is one of those shows that like I know adults that still watch SpongeBob. and are. I was a huge SpongeBob fan. Were you? Oh, yeah. yeah, I never really got into it that much, but uh, I, I I know it's got a big following, so I can appreciate that. Oh, but anything else with gumdrops? I've never made it. It's those, those stupid chewy candies. I'm not a, I'm not a big dessert guy. Oh, really? no. oh, man, I don't know if we can. We might have to end this podcast <laughs> because I have a big, big sweet tooth. I am a big candy guy. I like cheesecake and pie. Okay. Okay. Like, I do. I, oh, I love a good pie. Like cupcakes are just like straight up like Halloween candy. Like I'm good. Yeah. I will sit there like while I'm editing a video or something like that. I'll just demolish a whole box of cookies. Oh. No problem. Yeah. Oreos, Chips Ahoy, all the. That's all good. I don't. I'm not too particular. See, I'm salty. So like, I would want like pretzels or like Cheez Its or like okay chips and salsa all day. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, yeah. All day. What about uh what about a good queso? That's my mm-hmm. that's my kryptonite. Mm-hmm. Like a like a, um, a nacho chip and queso? I could just I could again demolish a whole bag, whole uh what is what's queso come in? A jar. A jar. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what drives me nuts about when you get queso at a restaurant though? 
is sometimes they give you like a really wide bowl, right? So mm-hmm. it has too much surface area. So mm-hmm. the queso cools off way too quick and kind of like skins over and then yes. you break all your chips. You need it- a skinny but tall vessel oh. to keep, you know, the moltenness going. What about what about this, like a cast iron pot or something that was nice and thick so like it held the warmth? And it's funny you say this because literally uh, two nights ago, I went out for my girlfriend's birthday. We went to Mexican place oh, good choice. and we had this exact problem. Mm-hmm. We got queso and it skinned over and we ended yeah. up having to like scoop it out with a fork and then put it on our nachos individually, which is not the greatest. Experience. You know what I was thinking? Like, you know, those. Like if you get like catering where it comes in like that aluminum dish or stainless steel dish and then they have those. Mm-hmm. I know they're not candles, but they're effectively like candles that go underneath it. I know exactly what, what you if mean. they almost you got queso and almost like a like a fondue pot. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that'd be great. But I was thinking like, you know, like the, the pan that the fajitas come in and it's oh, kind yeah. of sizzling when they put it down at the table. But your your idea is much better because no matter how long it takes you to eat it, it's still going to be warm. Here's my thing about fajitas. And but okay, I'm, I'm not this isn't a hot take on fajitas. I love fajitas. It's, it sounds like you're prepping. For no, a hot no, take no, no. Okay. Every time I go to a Mexican restaurant, I look over the menu and I'm like mentally prep myself and I'm going, all right, I'm not getting fajitas tonight. And then as soon as I sit down in the restaurant, I hear that sizzle. I'm like, oh, baby, it's fajitas night. (laughs) And I have to get them. I get them every time. But it's because I can like kind of make my own tacos, you know, do Mm -hmm. the filling that I like. I don't know. Well, the nice thing about a fajita is it's like it's it's like a choose your own adventure. Oh, right. Because you pile you could like pile all your stuff onto one wrap and just like, you know, go to town. One epic wrap. You could spread it out. You got options. I I would be curious to know. And I've never done this. I'm a math guy. Mm -hmm. Are you better off getting fajitas because they just throw a bunch of stuff on a plate and they they're not really like preparing it as much? Mm-hmm. Or are you better off like getting a burrito or tacos? I bet you you're better off getting fajitas. That's my gut instinct because I don't think that they're proportioning out the things in the same way. I think there's just big scoop of chicken, just throw, throw it, on, it the on there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like here's some uh, here's some tortillas. Hmm. Good to go. Hmm. I, but you know, if you ever want to go to like spend a week going to a bunch of different Mexican restaurants and doing some in the field research, I would be more than happy to join you on that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would be down. Get a lot of Tums. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you got to get the spicy salsa. Huge spice guy. Ooh, okay. So I'm not a spice guy. Okay. I'm uh, I'm quite the coward when it comes uh, to spicy food. Uh, uh, yeah, even like there's it, Toronto has great Indian yes. food. And yes, they do. I, I can't partake in most of it. Uh, it's just too spicy for me. See, when I was younger, I was an incredibly picky eater. Like, I mean, like... Mm hamburger nothing on it like literally just the bun and the burger and then i started kind of like you know you go to a friend's house and they'd be like hey you want to stay for dinner you didn't really have a choice like you had to eat what they had yes well i mean there were some psychopath children that i knew as kids who would like refuse food at other people's houses yeah well yeah my parents just like raised me with morals so like if you're at somebody's house they're like you're going to eat the food Exactly, exactly. I mean, just like, don't be rude or just if, if you're that picky, just don't stay for dinner. Yeah, yeah. But 
they got uh. they got buffalo wings, right? And mm-hmm. I, you know, I was a huge chicken tenders guy. Always have, always will be. Chicken tenders <laughs> of course, and fries, of baby. But they got they got buffalo wings, and they got probably a mild, maybe a medium. You know, enough that most elementary school, middle school kids would eat this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I took one bite and literally thought that I just like swallowed a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> so what did he do? Did you just have the one and leave it there? Uh, so so I ate it. And then every other ring after that, I, I like took a, a napkin and just like wiped off all the sauce. Mm, but then smart. flash forward to high school. And you know how high school boys are. You're always trying to out, outdo each other, right? So yeah, naturally, yeah, that totally ended in high school. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally ended in high school. Yeah, um, at least more stupid things, I guess. But so we went out, Definitely. you know, went to go watch like a hockey game or something at a sports bar, and of course, you know, they had this wing challenge. So you can't back down. You got to do the wing challenge. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I just absolutely ruined my like spice taste buds by doing that stupid wing challenge so many times or like now like i genuinely love spicy food like i love to have like a little bit of burn but i think my threshold is just so high because i've just like torched my mouth yeah yeah i think there there is definitely something to that i think you can like build up a tolerance to spicy food over time and i've just never really flexed that muscle for whatever reason or like i've never exercised that part of my palate so it's still very immature and very sensitive. Well, speaking of spicy, we've got mm-hmm. four pages worth of spicy questions. Okay. but Can you hit me with the spiciest one off the top? Well, before I get to that spiciest question, okay. I want to ask you a spicy question that I know that you kind of hinted at. You know, I don't know if we were texting or, or what it was. TikTok. Mm-hmm. Are oh. the views and followers and whatever the heck you see on TikTok, yeah. are they fake? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is oh, such a good topic. Thank you for remembering <laughs> to bring this up. So this, um, so very early on when TikTok first started coming out, I had like a lot of friends who were like kind of blowing up on yeah. it. And there was a little bit of speculation that uh, the numbers were fake. As yes. you're saying, like the follows, the views, the interactions. And I, I kind of accepted that as like being just kind of part of the platform. Uh-huh. Like that was the growth strategy of TikTok was they were going to fake a bunch of numbers, fake a beginning. bunch of views in order to get people hooked into it. Um, and I think a lot of creators have an incentive to pretend like it's real or pretend like they don't know that that might be happening. Yes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That, that That's my kind of take on it. I suspect that they are, at least to some degree. I mean, I went from zero to like 15,000 followers in eight days. Like that's, I was the that's same. not real. So <laughs> let me ask you this question. How okay. many videos did you post on TikTok until you had one blow up? Like about 10 five, or 15? Maybe? Even less. Even okay. less. Five, I'd say. Okay. So and I was wondering, like, does TikTok like scrub? Like, so you say you register Spensley Design Co. Yeah. Do they immediately, as soon as you do that, like, go out and like Google Spensley Design Co. And like, oh, this guy's got YouTube, yeah. like, he's got Instagram, like, maybe we should boost his content a little bit more. So I remember, and and 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm fairly positive when I signed up, they also wanted to know like your website, your YouTube, your Instagram and Facebook, right? For sure. So my theory, and I have nothing to back this, is that if you had any modicum of following on any of those other platforms, they would boost you quite quickly to get you kind of like addicted to the platform as far as like, oh, there's your first video with a million views. And you're like, oh, sweet. I got seven cents for that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm a Canadian, so I don't even get paid. So I've got like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So basically my only incentive to post on TikTok is to drive people to like my other platforms like YouTube and uh, Instagram and stuff like that. See, my TikTok strategy is to just make ridiculous claims on every Ooh. video that you post mm-hmm. or just make think make claims that are just completely false. Yeah. And you get a million comments on stuff and they blow up. That's a yeah, that's a great way to do it. I've I've heard of people putting like purposely putting like typos yes. in their YouTube thumbnails and stuff yeah. like that in order to get people to like click and like even just drop drop a comment saying like, like "Oh, you spelled this wrong." Yeah. So I have so. one video on TikTok where I like I I like climb up this ladder and I change like the overhead air filter thing that I made, mm-hmm. and I, just as a joke, I was just trolling people. I put I put up this big piece of paper on the back that says "Insert your ad here," but I spelled oh I saw I, that I spelled I spelt that's not a word I spelled ad a d wait I think spelt is a word spelt. Oh, geez, I don't, I don't know. Spelled, spelt. Oh, now you're messing with my head. Okay, so, so I put insert ad here, A-D-D. Yeah. Do you know oh, how geez. many comments I got with, like, it's spelled ad, you idiot, like A-D. <laughs> but let me let me look. So I got, on that one, I got 3.7 million views for that. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now let me ask you, did you get a similar response on Instagram? Because I assume that strategy would work for both platforms. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, the but not 3.7 million? No, nah, I don't know. Got, probably got several hundred thousand or something. I don't know. But nice. Yeah, I mean, you just you can do stuff like that that just like unintentionally troll people, and it'll yeah. blow up. I mean, I hate yeah. being that person, but like sometimes like, you know, we do this all the time. Every once in a while, I got to throw one out there just to mess with people. You got to have a little fun with it. And by the way, like, is it really, I don't, who are you really hurting when you're like, you put an extra D on the thing exactly. and it like, if you're going to get mad at that, that's on you. Yeah. That's not like you, the person who's making the comment, getting all mad, not you, the creator. Yeah, I still showed you something yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I, uh, it's funny going from Instagram to TikTok, um, you are essentially playing to new audience like when you're playing when when i post something on instagram most people who see it are already following me right yeah so i find that most of the comments are as a result positive but then on tiktok most of the people who are watching my stuff had never seen me before so they're much more inclined to like leave a nasty comment or something like that which again i don't really mind at the end of the day no um although i think i'll we, we should maybe talk about how we deal with negative comments and stuff like that because i got a lot to say on that subject but it's just interesting to see and i'll notice on youtube too if i have a video that does really well on youtube it's 
being seen by more people than just my subscribers. So sure. I, there, there's definitely an arc where if you pass a certain view count, you're going to encounter a lot Getting more trolled, negative yeah. comments. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I should throw out a disclaimer in saying that when I when a people say that, oh, you spelled ad wrong, that was on Instagram. I don't know how to look at comments on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I use a strategy on TikTok called post and ghost. I literally yes. open the app. What I, whatever video I have, I just post it and I close the app because I don't care. I don't want to scroll through TikTok. I have no interest. Yeah, fair. That probably makes you more attractive to people on TikTok because you're like elusive. Maybe you know you're yeah you're like a celebrity. You can't you can't even get close to me. I'm not going to acknowledge your comments. Get out of here. So if anybody's <laughs> sending me messages on TikTok, one I don't know where they are. I don't know how to respond to them, so I'm not going to respond. If you want, if you want to ask me a question, reach me out. Reach out to me on Instagram. <laughs> okay, okay, good to know. Good to know. I actually, yeah, I don't know how to check DMs on TikTok. Not that I even there, think I've gotten any, I but I wouldn't know how to check. I just uh, somebody did send me one. It's not interesting to me. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I don't consume a whole lot of social media anyway. Other than the YouTube, no. I, I enjoy YouTube because that's like yeah. I don't really, I don't have TV, so I just watch YouTube. Mm-mm. But it's it's yeah, a lot of I, stuff outside woodworking. Yes. Yeah, I'm like 90%. I basically only watch your videos and like one or two other people. And yeah. then outside of that, it's all like tech related stuff. Or I'm trying to think like I'll watch some like economic videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's, it's very little to do with woodworking, surprisingly. I feel like I could go on a tangent, but we got so many questions. We got to start getting to these people's questions. So. Okay. Here's okay, one. I feel like this is this is a good takeoff point. This is from okay. Josh Tinter. Josh gave us a thousand questions. Josh, thank you. We have thank all of them question. written down and we will get to them. But we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get one of yours right now. Josh wants to know, and this this might be a stumper, Zach. Why should listeners and followers listen to Off the Cut when there are so many other podcasts out there? Okay, I mean, I that's not a stumper. I mean, come on, this is us, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I think I, I, you know, okay. So here's kind of my theory on social media. You find people on social media that you vibe with. Yes, and then you will kind of consume like all of their content. So I yes. think people who follow us on any platform are, are doing so because they like the way we think. They see like a little piece of themselves reflected yeah. uh, in us, For right? Sure. And I think it's, it, I don't know, you develop that connection and you just want to see more from that person because you're kind of curious to see what their angle is on stuff. Yeah. So I think this podcast is a great way for people to get to know us better and get a little bit more of like a, I don't know, like a intimate experience. It's real life. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I, again, we're, we're not editing these no. in any way. We're just sitting down and having an hour long conversation and putting it up on the internet. So you really get to see inside our heads. You get to hear all the ums and buts and the uh, uh. So many, <laughs> so many, so many. I was recording a voiceover for, for a video I've got going on. And usually how I do a voiceover is... I kind of like write down like a loose script mm-hmm. and then I can, I can pound out the voiceover very quickly, but okay. it's usually right when I'm getting started or right towards the end that like first two or three lines for me to read takes me like 15 tries. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of that. You know what I actually do a lot of the time is I'll like have like a junk sentence at the start of like. So if I want to like say a paragraph, I'll like write it out like I have my little script there. But then I'll have like a a sentence before the paragraph that's almost complete gibberish or it doesn't really mean anything, but it just kind of gets me warmed up. Uh And then I get into the uh, the actual meat of what I want to say. And then sometimes I'll even have like a little thing trailing at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's, huh. it seems ridiculous, but it actually kind of works for me anyways. I like that. I like that. Huh. Yeah, give it a try. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So what's your process when you go to do a voiceover for a video? So you just, do you have kind of like rough notes? So usually what I do is, so, I mean, I I rarely ever shoot a video that I finish in one day, right? Yes. I mean, so. if it's a project video, not a chance. If it's just kind of like yeah. a talking head video. Maybe, but so basically uh, at the end of every day, I dump my footage on my computer. I give it a rough cut, you know, get rid of all those spots where like you're turning the camera on, walking away, turning the saw on, like all those things. So it's Mm -hmm. very rough. Those are usually about two times the length of the finished video. So if it's a 20 minute video, it's usually like 40 to 45 minutes long. I would say for me, it's more like three or four times. Okay. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and then I kind of like watch the video through hyperspeed and just kind of like think about the thoughts that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then without recording, I'll basically watch the video back and like read it to myself and be like, okay, I need to add something here. Oh God, I'm talking way too much here. There's no way I can get like to this through this footage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, then I just uh, read the script and record it. I mean, so do you, do you write out word for word? It kind of seemed like earlier you were saying you just kind of give like maybe like bullet points of what you want to say. Yeah. I kind of go back and forth. Sometimes I do yeah. bullet points and sometimes I write the the actual actual words. Usually hmm. I go with the actual words, especially if I want to subtly roll into like a funny movie clip because yeah. you got to yeah. execute it well. You know, this is actually something I wanted to talk to you yeah. about. Um, you do a lot of those cuts to like yeah. movie clips, especially the office clips, which I love. Yeah. But I'm always a little scared to do them. I feel like I might get like a, like like a copyright flag. strike or something. Yeah. So have you had any issues with that? I've done research on it. And again, I'm not a professional at anything that I do. And from what I can tell, it seems like the there's like a it's something called like fair use. Yeah. So if you have a, if the entire content of your video is not based upon that clip, you're mm-hmm. typically good. Okay. And so like, see, I, mine are like I, two, three seconds usually. Right. Right. I had a video that I wanted to do where I needed to rely on some like news clips yeah. and I wanted to splice in a bunch of news clips and I, I spent so long researching fair use yeah. and I was just like, I'm it's cl- just it's unclear. It's unclear. It's like, it's, it's some people were like, it actually doesn't matter the length of the clip. It's more how you use it. Some people were like, no, as long as it's under five seconds, you're fine. No. And it was, I was like, the thing about YouTube is like, if you get three strikes, they'll just delete your channel. Yes. So you really don't want to mess around and no. accidentally get like a strike or two on your account. Cause then you're in a very precarious position. Yeah, especially yeah. if you have a substantial portion of your income coming from that, right? For sure, for sure. Which is well, one see, reason to be diversified. 
Yes, definitely. Um, uh, hence the podcast. Again, yeah, to answer there you the go. Question. Um, yeah, not that we're making any money from this at all. No, but maybe one day <laughs> we're losing money. Because right? we had to, we yeah, had to pay sure, for we're like in the hold software and some somebody <laughs> yeah. to make our our uh, our logo because. You know, yeah. I can run PowerPoint. That's about it. <laughs> I don't know how to do graphic design. So I have this uh, I have this video coming out this weekend. And uh, in it, I make this joke about like how um, that you always leave the door open to sequel. And that's something oh, I've yeah. learned from watching Marvel movies. And then just like a bunch of Marvel movie logos appear on the screen. Oh yeah. And I was like, am I going to get in trouble for no. having a bunch of Marvel logos on no. the screen? I don't think so. But like, that's like as close as I was willing to test the fair use waters. The other thing I've noticed is some people will use other people's YouTube clips in their videos. Yeah. So I don't know if you've noticed but on YouTube, you can actually go. There's a little section like right underneath like your channel videos, monetization settings, all that stuff. There's one that's called copyright. So you can actually look to see if anybody has stolen your stuff. Oh, interesting. I should check that. Yeah. So probably not. Like I did one video, uh, I don't know, a couple months back or something where I kind of talked about dust collection about like, you know, very, very beginning to super advanced like fully ducted automatic blast gate systems nice and i obviously don't have one right so i did i did a, like a couple like two to three second short clips from wood whisperer mark spagnolo oh, yeah but yeah. i knew he was gonna get like alerted to that so like in big text underneath it i was like i put something along the lines of you know youtube.com slash wood whisperer this is mark spagnolo's footage so like if anybody sees it, it's very, yeah. very clear that this very. is not mine. Yeah. And like, did you, uh, did you message him to like, ask I did. If it was okay. And yeah. he does, he get, I mean, he just gets a thousand messages. He said, he just said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love talking to like, uh, like successful busy people. Cause it's not like, he's not going to send you a paragraph back. He's just going to say like, okay, or yes, go ahead. Yeah. Something like that. Right. So that's the reason I kind of wanted to start this podcast is I, I'm sure you're like me. You get questions from people where you're like, oh, I mean, that's a good question. But like, I sincerely apologize. I do not have enough time to give you a full answer. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude. I just I truly can't. Unfortunately, it's the reality of the situation. Once you start operating a certain scale, you know, once you're like 50,000 or, you know, 100,000 people on Instagram, yeah. YouTube. It's like, if you sat down and responded to all the messages and all Ooh. the comments, you wouldn't be able to create any more content. So I, I've like been struggling with this a lot lately where I've had to like sit down and ask myself, like, what's more important, yeah. engaging with people or creating the content that, yeah. you know, people seem to enjoy. Yeah. And I've been slowly like sliding more and more towards just creating, keeping my head down yeah. and creating the content. That's kind of been the the driver towards some of the content that I've I've been working on recently. Ooh, mm -hmm. seltzer? Yeah. Ooh, uh, no, I'm actually drinking a beer tonight. Ooh, I'm, funny I'm you funny you mentioned that because I figured this might be a long one, so I brought out oh. the bourbon for tonight. Oh wow! Yeah, no seltzer tonight. Girlfriend's not home, so yeah, the bourbon's true. coming out. Air skin wild. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, so I've got some some videos and stuff that I'm working out or working on now that truly 
I'm making them for almost kind of a selfish intent. Like what, what tools should I buy first? Making a video yeah. on that. How yeah. should I price my work? Making a video on that. Like all these questions so that like when somebody reaches out, I can give them a thoughtful, genuine response. Yeah, but it doesn't, you don't actually have to sit there and type it out. You just copy and paste the yes. link, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's smart. That tool question, we covered that in our last episode, but that's one that I get asked a whole lot. Yeah. And so. I kind of, I debated like, is that going to be something that my audience wants to see? I think so. I don't know. I think I, so. I, I mean, I think people, there will be a certain percentage of people who want to hear it because they need to hear it. Like they're actually thinking about what tools to buy. Yeah. Then there's going to be another percentage of people who watch it because they just want to see Eric's take on like they probably already have a full setup of tools, but maybe they want to watch it because like, oh, like I didn't even think about like adding this tool to my collection. Yeah. So they want to see your take on it for that reason. And then there's people who just want to hate watch it because they hate you <laughs> and they want oh, to leave yeah, nasty yeah, yeah. comments. That's my favorite. That's <laughs> oh man. I I feel like my my recent policy on just obnoxious comments has completely changed. I used yeah. to just be like, I used when I very first started, I was like, I would just respond with like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy this video, but I've got a whole category or a whole library of videos that you might enjoy too. They yeah. don't care. They're just trying no. to get a rise out of you. So what I'll so, do now is sometimes I'll just find a random YouTube video and just reply back with a link to that. So if they <laughs> click on it, they'll be like, I don't get it. Is it always the Rick Roll? Uh, no, well, I will literally <laughs> okay. just go to the Google, hit feeling lucky oh, and nice. then yeah. hit videos and Smart. then just pop the toss them a link to something like that. I like it. I like that strategy. Yeah. Uh, I speak going back around to TikTok because I didn't really care about TikTok that much. I was getting pretty snarky with the people sure. who, yeah, who, who give me rude comments on there just because it was kind of fun. And I actually found that I got a really good response from people like people like uh, I I guess I'm, you know, laying all the cards out on the table here. I deep down in my soul, I am a little bit of a troll. Um, and I try to, I try, that's an ugly part of my personality that I try <laughs> to keep under wraps. But when somebody's mean to me, like off the bat, then I can just go ahead and like fire back. And I, uh, you know, I don't mean to brag or anything, but I'm, I'm pretty good at trolling people. <laughs> oh, I like, I like a good witty comment. However. Yeah, exactly. I will 100, 100% fully admit that if somebody gets to you good with a rude mm -hmm. comment that really gets at you man sometimes you're you're like oh, this man why am i even doing this i'm never posting stuff anymore you know what i mean i haven't had one of those in a while to no. be honest with you i found so that stuff kind of got me in the beginning when i yes. first started out like yes. i was kind of i was i was very sensitive to like being called out and people telling me to you know you did this wrong or blah blah yeah. blah um but what i realizes i gained a little bit more confidence is sometimes they're like kind of right like they'll be like you're an idiot you should have done it this way and yeah it's like, should have that well sometimes yes it's like yeah i should have and that's the you know like that's obviously the most i don't know the probably the best approach to take is if you can actually accept it like that but then other times it's like that way works too but they're both like i i'm experienced enough to know that either one is kind of good enough. Like yeah. there's not, one's not like miles better than the other one. 
And uh, that I found came a little bit later. Once I had a little bit more confidence, once I had done things more and more, it's like, yeah, like you can glue it up this way or you can glue it up that way. They both work. So yeah, why would doesn't you, matter. you know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, I don't know. A lot, or sometimes I'll just respond with some something absolute nonsensical. Like somebody like, could be like, that's so stupid. Why would you do it this way? And I'd be like, have you ever seen the 2003... <laughs> Disney movie Elf featuring Will Ferrell. Fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. And people don't know what to respond and they just stop. Yeah, yeah. It's That's great. True. Well, I mean, I would say the percentage of like trolls that respond back to me if I respond to them is like low. It, unbelievably low. Yeah that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Unless you give them like, unless you spaz out and you're like visibly upset in your comment back, they Looking really can't rise to you, right? Yeah, they want to rise, and it's if as long as if you give them anything that isn't a rise, they basically don't know how to handle it most of the time. You know, one thing that gets a rise out of a lot of people, what is my next question? So I, I'll have you answer first. Okay. What is one popular tool, and I, you can't say like the Domino or something like that. Something pretty, you know. Oh, you would find this at Home Depot or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, big box store. Home De- uh, HD yeah. doesn't sponsor us. We can't say their name. Not yeah. yet. Maybe Home Depot. If you want us to unbleep that, send us a check for I don't know. What do you think's fair, Eric? Ten thousand. Three billion dollars. <laughs> and then the cue of the Doctor Evil. Yeah. Pinky, pinky in the mouth. <laughs> but what's like one popular tool? And I apologize. I didn't write down who sent this in. So if you send it in, we're giving you a shout out. I forgot to write it down. What's one popular tool, pretty generic, that you don't use? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like there's a lot. Um, There's tools that I use that I don't like using. Like, I, I know Ooh. what your answer to this question yeah, is. Yeah, you know mine. <laughs> I can see you. I can see you're getting ready to oh, yeah. sc- scream it out. But... Uh, I, I hate jigsaws. Really? I find, yeah, yeah. I find jigsaws like so hard to cut a straight line. The cord is always getting snagged and it's always, and I can never get it to cut straight. As soon as I start curving, I, the blade deflects and I end up with like a compound angle. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I got, I don't have a lot of love for jigsaws. I do own a couple of them and there are situations where you just have to. You got a, you got a DeWalt one, right? No, I have a Craftsman one and I have a Bosch one. I have a cordless craftsman and a uh, a corded Bosch. A couple corded Bosches ones, actually. Okay. I thought the Bosch was supposed to be pretty good. Dude, it, I'm sure it's fine. It's probably just me. I'm just <laughs> not using it yeah. right. Um, yeah, but I've always, I've never been able to get what I truly wanted out of a jigsaw. Uh, I also don't have a bandsaw. Okay. Which I know a lot of people have. I mean, I know you have one. I see you use it all the time. I'm yeah. jealous, but... Uh, I just the floor it takes up a lot of floor space and yeah, yeah. I don't know. No doubt. I, I don't do that much resawing. If I need to resaw something, I'll generally just put it through the planer and accept that I'm gonna waste half the material. Yeah. I mean yeah. and plus a lot of times when you resaw, you go from a straight board to now you got like two potato chips and now you gotta <laughs> joint both of those and then you're just right. not even more material. Just like, Right, right. It's yeah, all that yeah, tension in the wood, you're just you're just I don't know, just wasting time, really. Yeah. But. Every time I look at a bandsaw, I'm like, how does that work? Like, how is that not just, I don't know. I see people pushing it through it. I just don't understand how they get like a straight line every time. 
I feel like if I did it, I the you know the fence would bend a little bit, or the piece of wood I was use, pushing through would come off the fence a little bit. I'd end up with a horrible cut. I find that bandsaw is really good for like, Ugh, this is going to be an awkward cut, and you're like, all right, just take right. it to the bandsaw right. because the blade pulls down. So oh, that's true. The absolute worst case scenario, besides cutting your hand off, is that you're if like your whole like let's just say you're literally just going raw at it, not even holding your piece against the table, just like freehanding it in the air like an idiot. Nobody yeah. would do this. Worst case scenario, your piece just gets pulled to the table and you're done. Right. That's true. That's true. I mean, I do see people doing things on a bandsaw that people would scream to high heaven at if they did on like a table saw. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. people are much more comfortable on bandsaws than uh, than on table saws. Or like what I'll like a lot of the work that I'll do is I'll do like templating, right? So like you rough cut some material, you throw like an MDF template on top of it. Mm-hmm. You can do it with a jigsaw, and I show that in lots of videos. But if you got a bandsaw, you can rip through that so fast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, jigsaw. Again, another reason I hate the jigsaw is that up and down motion is so unsmooth, right? Like yeah. it's so bumpy and yeah. there's a lot of vibrations. Whereas the the uh, the bandsaw, at least, it's like constant downward, so it's nice and smooth and easy. Setting up a bandsaw is a pain in the ass, though. Oh, like changing the blade and stuff. You got changing the blade, setting up all the bearings, getting the oh, tension yeah. right, all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, she's a nightmare. You're making me feel like a genius for not owning one. No, I got one from a brand and it was it's fine. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, for how much I use a bandsaw right now, I don't think I'd spend the money on one. There are a few times where when I've been in the shop where I'm like, I wish I had one. But those moments are few and far between. And again, it's it's more I would I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to going out and buying one. No, actually, you know what? I almost never opposed to going out and buying tools because worst case scenario you just sell it for basically what you bought it for a couple of years later right like tools hold their value really well um but it's a floor space man running out of floor spaces i i hate a cluttered work environment so yeah. hot take i would rather pay for a tool than get it for free Ooh, yeah because because of the obligation to say nice things if you get it for free yeah and like I've got plenty of tools that I talk about that I absolutely hate. And if I don't like it, like I'm going to tell people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it puts you in a precarious position if a company sent it to you. And it's garbage. And it's garbage. Yeah. I will almost never like I'll ask companies like, hey, can you send me this tool so I can try it out in a video or something like that? I will, if I do that, I will always research the hell out of that tool. Mm-hmm. And I have to be so sure that it's like, it's going to be good in the class of like whatever class of tool it is. Like it, I, I have to like know that I'm going to like it for. Yeah. yeah. I'll almost never reach out to a company like, Hey, can you send me this tool? Unless it's a tool that I was basically ready to buy with my own money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually had, <laughs> I had the situation where a company sent me a tool Mm-hmm. And I got it, and it sucked. Okay. Uh, can you can you share the story without stepping on any toes? Oh yeah, it's on YouTube. Okay. Oh, it is. And it oh, would be it, it, it's one. the tool that I absolutely hate. That's the most popular tool that I hate. It's a miter saw, man. Yeah. Okay. Now I know where you're yeah. going with this. So so 
Do you hate this specific miter saw or all miter saws? So I'd be very clear. I absolutely hate the miter saw that I have. I did a whole video review on it if you want to know why. But long story short, it's one of those those slider things. So it cuts, I don't know, like 16, 17 inches across or something like that. You literally can take your pinky and just without like, you know, flexing your pinky back like crazy, I can move this thing like an eighth of an inch side to side. Yeah. I remember seeing your clip on it. It was pretty surprising. I actually watched your video on that. And then I went to my shop and I tried the same thing with my miter saw. And it was it the the Bosch one that I have is much more stable. It did still move a little bit, but I really had to like lean yeah. into it. But I mean, you're not you're not just like little pinky like boop. No, boop. no, I was like grabbing it with both hands and like sure. leaning into it. Sure. And so, in all fairness, I've used a Festool Capex. I know people look oh, it's eighteen hundred dollar miter saw. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I've used a Festool Capex. I've used the there's some Dewalt one. It's I don't. It's like the one that runs on the two rails. It's like yep. crazy, substantially more expensive than any of their other ones for I don't know yep. what reason. I've used that. <laughs> I've used a like the Makita one. Okay. Yeah. And I almost bought that one before I bought my Bosch. All of them were substantially better than the miter saw I have. However, they still had a little bit of play. And mm. so here's my gripe with miter saws. They, for them to be effective, you have to dedicate a substantial amount of space to them. Right. Right? So uh, like, pretty much the back wall of my shop is exactly. the miter saw. Yeah. But you have the space. So for you, it's fantastic. Right. And like if 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 you're working on a construction site, you have to have like a mobile miter saw stand that has little arms that come out that support your material and everything like that. Like I don't do job site work, so I don't need one. And for the amount of time that I rough cut eight foot boards down to length, maybe once every two months. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So like I always rough cut it with just a jigsaw. Just to like get it down to like, oh, if I want it to be 36 inches long, I cut it at like 38 or 39, just rip it real quick with a jigsaw. And then I can recoup all of that floor space and just make all of my cuts on the table saw. Is it less yeah. efficient? Yeah. <laughs> That's the part that gets me is the like cross cutting of something with a jigsaw or a circular saw is like, mm-hmm. it's kind of slow. I mean, circular saw, not so bad. Yeah. I find I actually use my miter saw a lot for doing miters. Yeah. Like. If I'm making a box or something like that, that's when I really like having. Do you having find that you have issues with like the joints like meeting up together? If I take my time and I'm careful, then no. Do you have to kind of have that like gingerly touch on the miter saw? Like let the saw guide itself. For sure. It's it, you have to. Well, it's like, you know, that by like. If you push it to the left of or course. to the right, it's going to deflect a little bit of in course. that direction. So you have to be kind of mindful when you're using it that you're applying force only on one axis of it. Right? Yes. So it's a skill that you kind of develop over over you know a couple failed boxes for sure. And I yeah. like uh, no doubt about it. I know that if I would use a miter saw more often, just like any tool, I'd become more proficient at it and better at it. It's just. Mm-hmm. For me in my in my one car garage, I will take the space over well, that's, having the miter saw. That's very fair. That's very fair. I mean, look, um, 
I think this dovetails nicely into another question I got from one of my Patreon supporters. He wanted to know how you manage and what are some of the challenges that you face when working in a small space like that? Oh, yeah. Well, number one, I and I, th- I kind of briefly talked about this on um, like shop tour videos or whatever and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I ha- first of all, I have one 15 amp outlet. I have no access to the breaker panel, so I cannot run another circuit to the garage. Right. So that's immediately <coughs> rules out any 220 yes. saws. Yes. Or any 220 tools. Yes. You'd be, you might be, you could probably get a welder to run in there, but it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to do anything like super thick. No, wise. no. Yeah. And so when I very first started, I just had, you know, one of those like 12 gauge 50 foot extension cords, you know, one of those unbelievably mm-hmm. thick ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like the industrial strength ones, because if you're going to run a table saw, you need yeah. the current. You can't be running that off of like a lamp extension cord. You're going to fry that No, it'll that heat thing. up. It'll melt itself. Yeah. So I got one of those industrial like uh, extension cords because the outlet's in the ceiling because it's effectively just where the garage door is supposed to be plugged in. Yeah. So it runs all the way along the wall and down. Well, you know, not ever running into electrical limitations ever in my life. I didn't think anything of it. So there was one time where I was running a router. It's just like the, I don't know, like the, what is it? The Bosch 1617. It's like a two and a quarter horse router or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And I blew the breaker running a router. Yeah. And well, I, I imagine you also have your lights on the same circuit. Yes. You probably also have your dust collection on the same circuit. Yes. So it adds up really quickly. But I was literally just running LED lights and the uh, router. And oh, you so don't have I, dust collection going either? No, no, no. I can't run oh. dust collection and uh, table saw at the same time. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes <laughs> so, sense. So like, I literally have to make my cut. And then as I turn the table saw off right next to it, I have a little like light switch and it turns on the dust collector. So I basically just pile the dust collection hose with dust once I'm done with the cut, I, I got to turn on turn on the dust collector on. Terrible. Uh, well, I mean, hey, it works, right? Uh, I, I I definitely I make it work. Yeah. But the first time I blew I blew the circuit, I realized that I couldn't just go up. I thought it was like a was it GFCI IC whatever the hell it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, uh, ground fault. Uh, oh, jeez, yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. So uh, the ground fault interrupter, GFIC, interrupting circuit or something. Yeah. So GFCI, I think is what it is. Yeah, whatever. It's the one that goes in the kitchen by water. So if you you short it out, you basically just hit the button there and you can effectively, for all intents and purposes, reset the circuit without having to go to the views board. So I thought I could do it on there. But what happened is it actually blew the circuit. So, oh. the, and that the way that they have all this stuff wired in the bay of garages that I'm in, it knocked out everyone's power. Oh, geez. So, no one could get their cars out. And oh, it, no. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. With Oh, no, I guess you've taken your, your door is now manual, I'm guessing, right? You weren't trapped in there. 
No, no, no. Yeah, it has the like the manual handle okay. so I, c- I can get out. <laughs> and I just remember thinking like, oh my God, they're going to know. Because I'm not allowed to run tools and stuff in the garage. Oh, so it's a covert operation. Yeah. Oh, this has been okay. covert for like two years. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, I can't get the, I can't get shut down doing this. Yeah. So I basically had to call the maintenance dude and he's like two, two garages down mm-hmm. and he's like, well, why don't we just, you know, I was like, I got to get in my garage. And then, you know, I was, he was like, why don't we just use the emergency thing where you have a little like key that you pop out the little like manual pull thing. Yeah. Well, like, mine no, was no, punched no. out. So you can't, oh, okay. I don't even have Perfect. one. <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, well, it looks like the power's out here. And then he's like, let me go into my garage. And he's like, oh, my power is out too. And then he goes, ah, must have just been some sort of bad storm that knocked the power out. So he just goes in, flips the breaker, and he's like, can you get in? And I just opened it like two inches. I'm like, yep, we're good. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> he's like, don't you, don't you want to get your car out? And I was like, oh, I don't have to leave for like 45 minutes or so. Nice. Oh. Nice. Good thinking on your feet. <laughs> oh, I was sweating. Now, you know what's funny is um, I know, like, you, I'm sure you've seen in my videos, like, the, there's tons of outlets in my shop. Mm-hmm. But I think there's only 30, 30 amps or 40 amps to the to the building. So it's it's not like it is more and it's it's definitely enough to do everything that I do. But it's not like it's so much more capacity yeah. than what you have. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, for me, like, I know... To a lot of people, there I get comments all the time, like from the trolls, are like, "Man, what a rookie setup!" Da, 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 da. You know, like this sucks. Like a real woodworker wouldn't work in this. And it's just like, <laughs> I started this in the in the parking lot of my apartment. Like literally, yeah, I awesome. would I would roll my tools out into the parking lot, run an extension cord, and then roll them back in. So to me, yeah. like, this is like the best thing in the world to have a dedicated sure. space. Like, For do sure. I want no, a warehouse? I mean. Of course. I think having, yeah, well, I mean, everybody wants a warehouse, but I think your setup is almost a benefit in a weird way because it's so much more approachable than somebody who has like this giant setup. Because I get these comments all the time of people like, you know, like anytime I put like a dollar value in anywhere in a video, people will be like, yeah, you built it with $200 worth of materials and then $50,000 worth of tools and a warehouse. Yeah. And it's like, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it cuts both ways. I get, I get that too. I mean, I, I've got this video going on, on Instagram that's like, I built a $2,000 chessboard for 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And yeah we we talked about this. Mm-hmm. And pe- you get those comments all the time. I could build that too if I had $200,000 of tools. Be like, oh, yeah. I don't even have, I don't even have $10,000 worth of tools. People's estimates are hilarious. It's funny. Like they have truly have no idea how much anything costs. It's either way too high or way too low. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like, also I gave them the go away price. I didn't want to build the chessboard. I would never charge somebody $2,000 for a basic chessboard as like a standard business practice. That was go away. You can do it. If you can do well, it sure. standard business practice, sure. why not? But I mean, like, you're not going to have a lot of clients who are going to buy a $2,000 very basic chess board. Chess for sure. Board. For sure. But, but hey, I mean, sometimes those things happen. And it's, yeah. 
<laughs> I think one of the other benefits of having limited space is that you don't have the ability to just collect crap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, you know, people will be like, hey, can I send you this tool? And like, I'll look at it. And a lot of times it'll be like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool to try. But it's like, if I don't have a designated task or reason for owning this, like, I don't want it. It's just going to clutter up my space. No, yeah, no, that's a very wise thing. I feel the same way. People ask me all the time, like, hey, do you want these like leftover materials that I have from no. this job or something like that? It's like, no, unless I can use them like within the next week, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I just don't want to have the, the junk, the clutter. For me, I'm a very I'm like my mind gets jumbled if I'm around clutter. So if like if I walk into the it's shop like, and there's just like just junk everywhere and like I can't move, mm-hmm. I'm I just immediately am turned off. I'm like, I don't even want to be in here. First thing I do every day when I get to the shop, just clean, yeah. like put things back in there, you know, like uh, organize, like take out the trash, like put things where they're supposed to go just so I can have like a nice clean work area to like start my day. It's it's so important for me. I so I 100 percent agree. I've actually been looking into the um, that like Kaizen foam stuff where it's, it's basically it's these like thick foam sheets that you put into like your tool chest or maybe like a drawer. And then you basically like cut out like where tools go in. I mean, I would love that. I love that concept. I don't want to do the work of cutting out all the tools. Yeah. (laughs) That's my big thing. I'm sure you could do it. There's probably some way you could do it with like a hot knife and just like do it real quick. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll do it on the CNC. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can do, you can do foam with a, with with a router, right? Yep. Yep. Maybe I'll do that. Huh. Yeah. So, any other little, uh, any other little surprises people might not know about working in a small space? Working in a small space. Well, a lot of times, you have to say no to projects that you physically can't do. That's true. I guess like a bed frame or something might yes. be out of the question, right? I we absolutely hate our bed frame. Yeah, we're, we're that we're the guilty. Ours is IKEA. No shame. IKEA's got cool designs. It's just yeah, particle board. They wouldn't be as popular as they are if they didn't have great designs. Agreed. But we absolutely hate our bed. And, I, and my girlfriend asks, I think I think number one project she asked for is a bar cart. I yeah. don't have any space for that. But number two is a bed. Mm-hmm. I can't build a bed in a one car garage. You can build it in pieces, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it would be, I would be tough. It would be tough. Because, I mean, be tough. we got a king-size bed, which is what, like 80 inches by 80 inches or something like that? Yeah, 80 by 72, maybe. I'm not sure. Something like that. That's I'm, really big. I'm a peasant. I sleep on a queen bed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, my shop is only maybe 12 feet wide. Okay, and what, what's the depth on it? Like I think 18, it's 20? 16 or 18 Okay. Something okay. like that. So, I yeah. mean, if I have a bed rail, that's taking up the entire width of my shop. Like, I can barely move that in there. Yeah. I, I Honestly, if you were to do something like that, you would be, you would have to be like assembling it out in the, like outside. Yeah. Yeah. Like building like one piece and then yeah. doing it, like assembling it out. Yeah. Which and might I, not be and ideal. That just gets back to the whole other issue with like a small space is if I'm like stepping on top of my stuff. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Yeah. 
Me too. I, so, I hear you. hundred percent. So I got a video coming out. I don't know when I just, I just kind of worked on it past couple of days where I basically like renovate the look of my shop. So I, I told you, I mean, you pointed it out to me. You gave me the lead for the, was it Centennial Woods out in Wyoming? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love st- it. I have it in the background of every single shot in my videos. Yeah, I, it looks uh, sweet. I'm a big fan of their product. So yeah. they hooked me up. They sent a bunch of stuff over. Um, and I basically coated my entire garage in reclaimed wood paneling, which looks cool. Give it a nice facelift. It actually looks a little more finished now and not just mm-hmm. like OSB and two by fours. But I had obviously I couldn't take my tools out. So I just basically right. had to shift True. everything over to one side. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I was so anxious the whole time I was doing it. It was driving me nuts because I had nowhere to move. Yeah. 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 You realize how little like, you know, you get your shop all set up and then you have these like corridors that you like, you know, you flow through Yeah, and you bring materials. Yeah. Through. They're not actually as big as you think they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have to like, the, the two main assembly tables in my shop are on wheels. And sometimes I'll like push them like side by side or push them to the other side of the room. And it's like, e- e- there's not much empty floor space in this place. No, it's yeah. It's crazy how quickly it adds up. Do you, I, I know we didn't say it. Do you remember who asked that question? Uh, our pad from our pad. Ah, that's what I figured. Yes. I figured. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, uh, our pad is also a content creator. He's got his own YouTube. He's got his own Instagram. Really nice guy. Yes. Is it RPAD builds? RPAD builds this. Builds this. I okay. Believe, That's what yes. I thought. So yeah. shout out to him for yeah, sure. Definitely. So to answer that question even further about like working in a small space, that's another one of those videos that I'm coming out with. I got Ooh. a bunch of hot tips of how to, how to work in a hot space. And it's not nice. just like organize your stuff. Like give, I think I got some little, pretty good tips. Give us a little teaser. Give us like number three, not the good one, right. but like what are the ones number in the middle? Three. One of the let, let me look it up because I've already I already wrote the <laughs> script. Number three. You don't even get a pick. It's just going to be number three. Okay. Let's All right. See. I'll take Small shop tips. Here we go. There's one. There's two. Um, Number three. Go vertical. Okay. But good I'm going to hit yeah. you with something different. Okay. You're probably thinking, oh, just throw your stuff on the walls, right? No, you're going underground. No. Oh, that would be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) We're going underground, baby. Bunker, baby. (laughs) No, but so literally look up. How much wasted space do you have above you? Yeah. So like above the garage door, perfect place for a lumber rack. That's dead space. Yep. It's true. Um, Very true. So like for me, if you look straight up, my... The top of the roof of my place is like 22 feet, maybe. Oh, wow. That's great. But the rafters are at like a nine or 10 foot level. I don't know what the standard is. So I can put my ladder up on the rafters and I have basically almost like a second story of things. So that's like where I have my bike, where I ride, Mm -hmm. ride my bike in the summer. That's where I have my dust collector. That's where I store all my lumber. That's where I store like just things that I'm not going to use very often, but I don't want to get rid of. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's, 
it's a lifesaver. I mean, yeah. you might even be able to do it in some of your spaces. You got a For little sure. bit of overhead space. Uh, yeah, I actually, it's, I got about 10 foot clear to, there's, so the way that my shop is built is there's like, there is like a, a second tier. So there's rafters that are about 10 foot, then there's two by tens, and then there's like another four feet above that. And in yeah. most of the space, it's just kind of empty. At either end, there's kind of, there's a mezzanine like storage area that yeah. I use, but there's probably about 20 feet in the middle that's just like completely empty. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, don't just throw stuff up there no. because you can. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you still have to live with like the, if you're not going to use it, purge it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't stand yeah. clutter. That's a, that's an important lesson that a lot of people need to hear. If you're not going to use it, just throw it in the garbage. feels good. It, it really does. Really it really does. And also like, you know, I, you know, throw like just crap away. Right. But there's some stuff, if there's some things that you have that like actually have value to them, you could donate them to people, but throw them on eBay or something for what I did is I got tons of different stuff. I think I might've told you about this and I put everything on eBay for a penny. Oh yeah. And I just, just let her go. Yeah. I got like four grand worth of stuff. Whoa. Nice. And it was like all these like tools and all this kind of stuff that like people had sent me that like. Maybe I had never used or I used once and was like, hey, guys, this isn't going to work. And then they'll be like, well, that's right. Just, you know, donate it or get rid of it or something. So I was just like, and I had to post about it on Instagram sometimes with some of them. I'd be like, hey, anybody want this nail gun? Going for a penny. Whoever wants it. That's what I try and do whenever possible. But uh, I'm not great about I'm I'm kind of a hoarder when it comes to tools. like and stuff like that like (laughs) i might use this (laughs) yeah i might use this one day like but i'm really good about it with like camera gear Mm. uh so i'm constantly like buying and swapping camera gear like Mm. i'll be like oh i could sell this lens and get that lens and my kit for filming and stuff is very very minimal i can get it all in like a backpack um i only have one lens (laughs) yeah yeah. i have a single lens (laughs) What do you have? Like a uh, oh, I'm trying to think because you're uh, micro four thirds, so it's yeah, gonna, it's got to be doubles, so like a twelve to something. Oh baby, let me pull her out. Yeah, let me see this bad boy. Here's the setup. Nice. Um, it is a Lumix twelve to thirty-five. Twelve to thirty-five. Okay, yeah. So twenty-four to seventy. Yeah, I have. Uh, I'll pull my. Oh uh, no, actually, I'm recording on mine right now. <laughs> my webcam is actually the camera I use for all my YouTube videos. Yeah. So I am on a 24 to 70 right now. So I can zoom in like oh, that, yeah. and you can see my teeth very clearly. I can get crazy tight on mine, but honestly, I wish I would have gotten a slightly wider lens mm. because with it cropping in, sometimes yeah. like if I'm just trying to get like a whole body shot, I gotta be yeah. super far away. But at the other time, like, I'm cheap. I don't want to buy another lens. Right. You but Okay, so coming back to what I was saying before, lenses are, like, the best investment in terms of buying things used. So I'll buy lenses all the time. Yeah. And I don't even really regard it as buying something. I'm basically mm. just, like, putting my money in a savings account almost. Because yeah. a lens, you can almost always sell for exactly the same price that you bought it for. Yeah. Yeah, camera a camera will depreciate, but a lens will hold its value really. It's because well. you can use, you know, for the most part, 
you can use just about any lens on just about any camera. That's true. That's true. You can always adapt it. And it's like, it's a tool, right? Like professional photographers use them to make their money, right? Yeah. So just because something's being used like 20, it, it doesn't like, a, a lens isn't any less sharp when you use it a year after you bought it or two years after you bought it. It's, it always works. Like as long as it's not broken, it's fine. Or full of sawdust. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I might have that issue. But see, like, so, if I actually, if I physically look into my lens, like I, I can see little, little tiny specks. For sure. But there Me are too. zero artifacts on yeah. the actual footage. You know what? Uh, so I actually watched some YouTube videos on this. There are guys who will like take like a rock to the front of their lens, yeah. and, like scratch it up. You don't see it because huh. here's the thing: like, it's right at the lens so it's completely out of that scratch or that piece of dust is completely out of focus at all times yeah so it's basically unnoticeable the only like if you put like a lens if you like stare at like a white wall with your lens and like move it up and down you might Mm -hmm. see some little artifacts but really like you'd be surprised half of my videos i record and the lens is just covered in dust yeah don't notice no um, so when I'm filming in the shop, I have two lenses that I use. I have like a, a me- like one that's the exact same focal length as you have. And then I have a wider one that I use on occasion as well. Uh, and I swap back and forth between them. And one thing I would love to do this year is it's going to be a ton of money and I'm not looking forward to spending it, it but it's buying a second camera body and uh, just having one lens on one camera permanently, one lens on the other camera faster. permanently. Yeah. Faster, right? Like I could just kind of like I could have them set up for different angles. I could be filming the same take two different ways. Mm-hmm. So it definitely is. Yeah. It, uh, that's going to be a cost versus speed of production kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. And but it's like it's one of those things. It might save me 30 minutes every time I'm in the shop, which not much, but adds up over the course of 100 videos. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll I'll give see. you a hot see t- if I get a big sponsor. Yeah. Yes. I've actually seen um, some woodworkers get sponsored by like camera companies. Oh, God. For like one video. Introduce me. Hook me up. Yeah. I think one of them was the. And uh, people are going to get mad. I don't I'm I don't watch a lot of woodworking YouTube. It's whoever the the real big guy out in Oregon. Not big like weight, but he's a guy out in Oregon makes huge like epoxy tables or whatever. One of them popped up on um, oh. YouTube the other day. All I can think is John Malecki. Is that who you mean? No. I don't know if he's in Pittsburgh. Oregon. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm sure people know who I'm talking about, but... Yeah, the big guy in Oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, where was I going with that? But he had one video that was like sponsored by like Sony or something like that where he was like testing out. I was, I think it was like the a seven three or whatever the newer nice, yeah. one is. And he was testing it out. I was like, kind of cool. Basically yeah. the whole, only a whole integration they wanted was just like, kind of just talk about how this camera made your life easier or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I shoot a Sony camera, the autofocus. Oh, it's so beautiful. <sighs> like you can just literally like click on your face and it will never, ever lose track of your face. Or you can you can click whatever you want, like just press with your finger whatever you want it to focus on. It'll just stay on it. It's it's remarkable. The autofocus on my camera is worse than my miter saw. <laughs> it is so bad. 
that's what kept me from getting that camera. And that. I had no idea. But in yeah. all fairness, before I had that, like I shot everything on an iPhone and I just right. always locked Everything's the focus. Everything's in focus on an iPhone. No, I always locked the focus. Oh. Mm. Where you, that you just like too. hold your finger down and it goes like boop, boop. And then it yeah. like locks. Yeah. So like for me to shoot in manual focus is like, I don't know. I was just kind of used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it works. A lot of the stuff I shoot is in manual focus. Basically, any time like my face isn't in the frame, I'll just lock off the focus and sure, have it. Sure. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. But, well, I think that's probably a good place to stop for the main show. We got yeah, some Yeah, we've questions. actually, we've run over our time limit. We're at uh, an hour and seven minutes. We usually like to keep these episodes to an hour. Give, give, the, give the people what they want. Exactly. But we got to head over to the after show. Give the patrons what they want. That's right. So if you would like to hear the after show, you can head over to patreon.com slash off the cut. I think that you are off the cut podcast. Off the cut. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's going to be nobody over there right now anyway. So yes, but (laughs) hopefully, hopefully soon there will be dozens of us. (laughs) So if you do go over to patreon.com slash off the put off. Let me try it again. Patreon.com slash off the cut podcast. Nailed it. You'll get access to the after show, which is going to be us just talking more questions. And sometimes we talk about things that uh, maybe we're not allowed to necessarily air out to the public as much. Yeah, I think you might in the after show, you might even say the name of the brand of the miter saw. Oh, I'll say it. I'll say it as soon as we get there. (laughs) No, no. Save it for the after show. I know. I know. (laughs) I'll say it when we get the after show. You'll also get. Like we like we said, we've got a huge list of questions from people. So yeah. if you want, if you have a question that you really want to get answered, over on Patreon you'll get priority answering. So we will basically put yours close to the top of the list. Try to get it um, answered as soon as possible. And in one of our tiers, super special tier, you can actually have video calls with Zach and I, where we'll answer your questions, talk about whatever you want. There we go. All so, right, everybody. We will see Thank- you over there, Zach. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on a plane to get the after show. <laughs> All right, it sounds good. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you in the next episode. Peace. See ya.